Hello friends and welcome to your midweek Kings of Anglia podcast. Welcome to, to the first KOA podcast since the big day, since Christmas and welcome properly to the start of the Kieran McKenna era, which started in very impressive fashion last night. A 1-0 win at Portman Road in front of 26,000 plus fans. A win over Wickham Wanderers, high-flying Wickham Wanderers. What a way for McKenna to start his reign Ipswich Town. I shall start this podcast today by introducing two of my fellow Kings, Stuart Watson having a a well-earned lie down today. Mike Bacon still in Hollywood negotiating a film deal after his success of his book. So I'm joined, I'm pleased to say, by Andy Hutchman, Hutch Hogan, Michael Hutchins, all those other stupid names I come up with. Warren, how are you, my friend? I'm all good. You? I'm good in the hood, thanks, friend. I am literally in a hood today, as we all are. Style gurus that we are. Roscoe, <laughs> young Roscoe, the prospect. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. Um, it was good to be back. At Portman Road last night, and the Kira McKenna new new manager bounce baby. Is that what we're going to phrase it now? We'll, we'll come on to that in due course. Um, first of all, obviously, boys, it has been Christmas since we last spoke. Um, so I have to ask, I'm legally obliged to ask, how was your Christmas? What was your highlight? Hutchie, I'm going to start with you. I know you don't really do presents. Um, so what was the highlight of, of your Christmas? It's just with my wife that I don't do presents. I do oh, buy okay. presents. I do buy presents for other people. Got a new roasting tin. Nice. That's that genuine. That's that's my highlight. The, the highlight was getting the new roasting tin uh, from my mother-in-law. Thank you very much. Low light was it's too big for the oven. So, uh, so you need get, a new oven. Yeah, just get a new oven. If, uh, she's going to sort that out as well, probably. Um, but yeah, need to need to switch my new roasting tin for an appropriate roasting tin. But it is a very good roasting tin. It's probably enough about roasting tins now. So you, you didn't have a chance to have a bang on it on Christmas Day, though, if it was too big? No, no. So we were at my mother-in-law's for Christmas Day this year, so um, I didn't do any cooking. But I did. But we did have a, a supplementary roast a couple of days ago because we were we were unhappy. Because the problem is when you go to other people's for Christmas, you don't get the leftovers. Because the best thing about Christmas dinner is all the leftovers. But if you go to someone else's, you don't get them. So just we just bypass that and do do a fresh roast. Hundred percent on that. That is absolutely the best part of, of Christmas is the leftovers. And many in many cases, the next day the leftovers when you're whacking up bubble and squeak and stuff. But also, actually, when we conversed earlier on today, you revealed that you'd had a roast at lunchtime today. Yeah, that was leftover from the leftover. That was okay. the left, from the, su- the supplementary roast leftovers. So the party goes on. It's December the thirtieth, and I'm I'm still eating roasts. So, um, what's better than a roast? You're still living like your your name is P Diddy. I assume you had a few bottles of Bolly with it as well. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Rossi, what is the highlight of your Christmas? Going back to the um, lunch, I just had a cheese cheese and ham sandwich this afternoon. What? So I didn't. Oh I didn't, no. Yeah. I didn't I think meant on Christmas no, Day. Then. No, 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 no. Um, my highlight of Christmas Day. Well, it wasn't really a highlight. It's a bit of a worrying thing. My my niece got a new doll for her Christmas. My youngest niece, and it's one of the freakiest dolls ever. It's got massive eyes. It's just looking into your soul. And I was like, that's a freaky doll. Um, but anyway, move on from that. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it. I'll send you a picture of it. It is very freaky. Um, I just love Christmas food. I just love eating. And just drinking, and that's what I did. Just eat and drink, and um, be merry, pretty much. Mm. It is the great thing about Christmas is it's the one day of the year where all bets are off, isn't it? Literally everything, anything goes on Christmas. You get up, you want a glass of wine for breakfast, and and, and a a box of chocolates. All good, mate. It's Christmas. Do what you want. Love it. Right then, boys. From one or several highlights, Christmas 
to another huge highlight, which was the start, as we've already said, the Kieran McKenna era, the new bounce, the new era, all that kind of new stuff. And it started very impressively, boys. Now, I'm not, as you know, I'm not prone to hyperbole. I don't get too excited about things. I don't want to do knee-jerk reactions on this podcast. But friends, I would argue that last night's win, Pittsburgh Town, or indeed performance, is one of the best performances under a new manager in their first game for many a year. Um, and you put it into context, yes, I know it's Wickham Wanderers and all that, but Ipswich Town were playing in front of 26,000 people. It was against Wickham, a side in the top six, fifth at the time. These are games they traditionally do not fare well in. And yet, they won 1-0. And they had to dig in and scrap it out and manage the game to the end. So, in that context, a 1-0 win in McKenna's first game was a tremendous one, was it not, Hutchie? He's the first Ipswich manager to win their first game since Mick McCarthy in nearly coming up for 10 years. Mm. Uh, and there's been a few managers in that time. So just, just to win it is uh, is pretty good. Then you've said there about the crowd, the last manager to have a crowd of that size, anything close to that size, actually, for a first home game was Roy Keane. Uh, the, uh, when he, uh, I think there was Coventry they beat on the final day of uh, the season after he'd, he'd just come in right at the end there. So combine that all together... Um, Remarkable that Ipswich are even getting crowds of 26,000 at 11th place at league, in League One on December the 29th when they, they really should be significantly higher than that. But to, yeah, to, to just to deliver a result like that on a big night is um, not what we're used to in, in so many ways. We've spoken about it so many times, about the, the times we, we feel let down on, on the big occasions. So for them to, to come out and win like that and show so many different sides to themselves... And to show actually some progress in such a short space of time under the new manager. We'll talk about all of those points in a minute individually, I'm sure. But to, mm-hmm. to put that all together and to come away with the three points from it, it was um, was really, really pleasing. Mm. Now, obviously, we know um, earlier today, the reason why we're recording this slightly later on a Thursday is because we're expecting a decision to be made about the Lincoln game. It duly was. That Lincoln game is off, which we'll talk about in due course. But Rossi, let's, let's focus on the positives for now. What did you make of uh, of Kieran McKenna's first game as town boss? Well organised. I felt there was once again fight. There's always been fight in this team, but no, in the last few games, not so much. But um, no, I felt like players stepped up. You know, me and Andy did a video about players that should thrive under a new management and Wolfenden stepped up, didn't he, Hutchie? He was, uh, he did everything. You know, he was going forward. I love myself overlapping centre-backs. Wolfenden's... <laughs> Emerson went forward a lot during the game. Uh, even Janoy did. Janoy playing in that, that three at the back. But Wolfenden, he did the pretty stuff, but also did the gritty stuff as well and battled hard. So um, that is what one of my highlights from the game is just Wolfenden back to his best. And um, that's what you like to see from a, an academy graduate. It's, like the second, it's the second half of that that, that, that interests me the most. The, we, we know that he is probably a better than average football player in terms of centre-backs but it's the it's the gritty stuff there, um, digging in, winning balls in the air, which isn't necessarily his suit, but it's certainly Wickham's suit. That's what the strong suit. That's what they want to. That's what they want to do, and he dealt with that well. Um, so it was an all round performance from him. We've got loads of players to talk about for, for he was my man of the match. An all round, an all round display from him doing the things that we know he can do, and doing also the things that we we know he, he doesn't always do. Um, 
he was the top of that list of that video you just mentioned there, Ross, and the article about players that could thrive under McKenna. And um, he started that process. A long way to go, but he's um, he started that process now. I like that, Ross. See, we're going to coin that. That's a Rossism. Pretty and doing the pretty and gritty stuff. I'm going to use that going forward. That's I good. like it. Um, before we get before we get going on the game itself and, and getting into depth, Hutchie, we need to clear one thing up and one thing only, and that is Kieran McKenna. Is he a tracksuit manager? Is he a, a smart clothes manager? What is he? This is very very important. It seemed to me he was wearing what looked like a warm up kind of jacket beforehand. Had his name on, yeah, his, his initials on KM, uh, and then he came out in what looked like a smart coat. Looked like he was wearing trousers. I need the answers, boys, because this is very very important. Yeah, he. Uh... He looked business, but but it was business rather than business casual. By the time he got out there, I think he was, it was like a navy blue. What style of coat would you say that was? I'm not. It's, I'm a, not, it's just a, just a coat, isn't it? Is it just, icon. It's, yeah. it's, it's just a coat. I think. Just, it's a, just, a, just a just a winter coat, isn't it? I've yeah, it's, a coat. Yeah, it's a nice coat. Trousers, shoes. Um, it's not Hugo Boss, is it? Well, it might be. I don't know. There's no no yeah, logos, no logos visible. But um, yeah, he looks. He's a smart. He was a smart manager. That's the big. That was the big takeaway, wasn't it, from all of this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was most interested in. Yeah, yeah. But the the answer is uh, suit. Interesting. I think the players. I, I meant to ask someone about this, but I didn't. I think they all arrived together on a coat on a on a coach for the game yesterday. Uh, which is an interesting change because normally they kind of arrive in drips and drabs in their own cars and kind of arrive at certain times. But McKenna comes from Manchester United where they're used to, I think they have overnight stays, Manchester United, in in Manchester in hotels mm. before home games and, and sort of travel together on buses and things like that. They when I worked when I worked at the Daily Mail, we used to constantly have to use pictures of them walking in and out of the Lowry Hotel in Manchester, where they were staying overnight. And I, I, they must have had some kind of advertising deal with the Lowry, <laughs> the amount the amount that that ended up in there. But um, I, I wonder. I think overnight stays are maybe a bit drastic, but I, that, that's an interesting change. I'd like to ask someone about at some point. They're all arriving on a team coach together. Mm. Interesting. Peep behind the curtains there, then, friends. What a tawdry little spell of your career, that the Daily Mail. Oh, yeah. Good time. Like I've, I've got some stories. I've got some stories. <laughs> yeah, you have. Um, right then, let's get right into it then, Hutchie. Obviously, we have to take into account a lot of the people who listen to this may not have been at the game last night. And the, I guess the big thing going into it was, what is Kieran McKenna football? No one knew. You know, is he going to unveil some batshit crazy formation no one's ever seen before? Um, how's he going to play football? Um, so essentially, they lined up in a in a three four three. Is that is that fair to say? I know he's I know he wants it to be like water and formation is not really important to him. It's all about adapting and all that kind of stuff. But you have to have a formation, obviously, to play football. Um, and his was three four three. What did you make of it? I'd still I, I still think that the top word for Kieran McKenna is adaptable because yes, mm. it it was a three four three. And apart from the goalkeeper, obviously Christian Walton out with with COVID. He kept the same team that drew that he watched from the stands draw with Sunderland ten days or so ago. The only slight change is that Sonny Aluko moved from sort of playing as a number ten central attacker, moved to the right of a front three. That was the only change in terms of a uh, system that he made. Um, but everything he said after the game and the way he spoke about it just pointed said to me that this was with this game in mind. I don't. We can talk about everything that we saw on the pitch and everything we that we like, but I, I really don't think we're we've kind of had the big reveal, if that makes sense. Mm. This, this was what he thought after all the analysis, which we know is, is so big in what he does. 
um, that this is what he thought was the best system to go for against Wickham. Talked about a front three, um, sort of matching up one on one and robbing on the the Wickham back three, um, and and that was and that was the reason for it that um, it worked. As Ross said earlier, they looked organised. The back three looked organised against Sunderland and they did so again in this one. They all had their slightly different jobs. The midfield looked organised, albeit in a slightly different way to what we've seen. Um, the the, the, the wing-back slash midfielders of Wes Burns and Penny, they looked organised. They knew what they had to do. And the only one that didn't look organised look organized was was James Norwood, who was nomin- nominally playing as a wide left player. But I think that was I think it was by design. Um he was he's he's a football player that plays off the cuff. He was he wasn't yeah. a left wing. He was wasn't a left winger. Far from it. But nom- nominally, that's where he needed to be. But he popped up at left back. He he um did most of his best kind of attacking work, aggravating in the middle of the pitch, trying to free up space for Bon. And um, all in all, it was kind of a horse horse for course situation, I think. And I I wouldn't be surprised if we see something just a bit different for future opponents and things like that. It's going to be fascinating just these early weeks of Kieran McKenna, I think, um, seeing some subtle tweaks. I don't think he's going to go mad. I think the back three might be something he sticks with, but in, in terms of everything else, I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how he goes with it. It's going to make my life a bloody nightmare though, Hutchie. I've got a, one of my roles every week for the, the match preview is to, to put in a predicted lineup and formation. And if we don't know what he's going to do every week, it's just, it's just going to be a real headache for me, man. What's he, what's he doing? Obviously, four two three one. I could basically put in three weeks ahead with Cook. Anyway, um, going back to the game, and that's the real that's the real issue. That's um, the real that's the real issue. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you mentioned there Norwood. Um, I don't think you could ever. He's ever going to be organised, is he, on a football pitch? Norwood is is chaos, isn't he? He's organised um, chaos. Yeah, yeah. That that's what he, that's what he is. That's his strength. His chaos. So yeah. Let's have a bit of that. Roscoe, you've already mentioned the boy Wolfenden. Very, very impressive. I think Hutchie actually used post-game. It was the most impressive game you've seen from him. Is that right? That I, that I can remember. You remember, yeah. By, yeah. by, by, by his own admission, um, Luke would Luke would tell you, I'm sure, that it's, it's not been a, a great year for him. I think he, I think he described his sec, kind of second half of last season, first half of this year, as being very, very average at one point in in pre-season he struggled to get into this league team during the first half of this season um but some more performances like that and he'll he he and he and Edmondson um could be kind of first name on team sheet territory I, if you if you're talking sort of back four there's a vacancy alongside Edmondson if there's a, if you're talking back three there's two vacancies alongside Edmondson and I'd say Wolfie has done a a really good job of making one of those his own for now. And and that role seems to suit Janoy mm. Donassian really, really well. Uh, it, it's kind of got a little bit of all of his strengths involved there. So in terms of a back three, I, I think they are the, they are the three. Um, not sure where Cameron Burgess fits into it, but again, we're talking horses for courses here. There, we, we've seen Cameron Burgess, notably his day was it his, I think it was his debut at Cheltenham, where it was all about long throws and air raids into the box. Hmm. Played played really well in that game. Horses for courses it may well be that his time does come at some point. But on on the face of things, um, the back three emerging there. If that's something that that McKenna's going to go with long term. I think Burgess played in the back three at Accrington Stanley, didn't he? If I'm, if I'm on the left on the left of it, I think he yeah he did. Hmm. Um, he did, um, but they're you know back threes are, are different wherever you are. So <laughs> I'm not sure. 
George Edmondson <laughs> played on the left of the back three last night. They're very different players. Hey, Edmondson can do it all, all right? The fridge, number one. Um, Roscoe, give us some more names that impressed you then. You've already mentioned overlapping centre-backs, which you seem to have oh, on a, on a healthy, on a, on a healthy obsession with, if you don't mind me saying. Um, who else impressed you? Um, well, we've got to mention the boy, Sam Morsey, haven't we? The, the skipper, um, showing why he is a quality footballer. Um, and that is why, you know, him dropping down to lead one is the most surprising thing ever because he, he bossed that midfield, showed that leadership, got forward. And um, yeah, really impressed by him. Um, he's going to try to prove me wrong, as I said um, on the podcast last week or the week ago, that the season's dead. And um, those performances like that, will prove me wrong. So hopefully that does continue. Um, Sonia Luco, once again, shown his quality. He was playing as a number 10, weren't he, Hutchie, I think, in that three up front. He was more, more of the wide yeah. right-ish, yeah. So, yeah, I thought he had a had a good game. Mm. And then Macaulay Bond, oh, he just needs that goal, doesn't he? His confidence is very low at the moment, but um, seeing his teammate Norwood scoring the goals, but yeah, he just needs that chance. And he needs to stay on side as well. Come on, McCauley, stay on side. That was absolutely infuriating. I'll, <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I, I got so annoyed last night. Not for the offside goal. There was that one in the second half, wasn't there? I, well, was it Lee Evans that was looking to slip him through, yeah. Ross? And um, he was offside and Evans was really annoyed with him. And um, both Stuart Watson and I were quite annoyed by that. It's um, yeah, he. he I, I need to look this up, but I think at one point a few weeks ago he was he was second in the kind of offside league of League One, and um, mm. I think he's probably still there. To be fair, that's something he needs to work on. It's also endemic of a, of a player just desperate to, to to make something happen, is it? Actually, he's maybe just yeah. a little bit too eager. Going a little bit too soon, that kind of thing. Yeah, potentially, potentially. He, he worked hard last night. I, yeah. I, I think I was made. I gave him a six in the player ratings, which um, some people have agreed with. Some have said that was maybe a bit harsh. I've, I've watched large parts of the game back, and I think I maybe he's probably maybe six point six territory. Mm. It maybe route could have been rounded up to a seven. He, he works so hard. He does work hard, and he had some nice little flicks, held the ball up well to lead to the goal. Um, but he just needs a goal himself. That's ten without one now. Um, that was unthinkable a few, a few months, a couple of months ago, wasn't it? Just, just need a goal for him. Shall we go back to Morsey, uh, Roscoe? You mentioned there um, he's out to prove you wrong. Indeed, he slid into your DMs, didn't he, to to tell you as much. Um, he's going to prove you wrong. What is? I mean, obviously, Morsey had a notable down against against Charlton, as the, as the rest of the side did. Um, but since then. He's been like a man possessed, hasn't he? Someone put some some deep heat into his his shorts before every game because he's playing like his his pants are on fire. What's driving him, Hutchie? And can we see more of it, please? Definitely want to see more of it. I enjoyed I enjoyed the role he was asked to play last night. He seemed to be given a bit more license, a bit more freedom to to play a bit higher up the up the pitch. Again, I haven't looked it up. But I'd like to see kind of his heat map from the from the game. I think he 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 played higher, much higher, noticeably higher. Um, and that allowed Lee Evans to kind of sweep around behind him and move the ball about. I thought Lee Evans played really well as well. Um, but I like Morsey that bit higher. He, he really should have shot late, late on instead of laying it off for, for Chaplin. Chaplin also should have scored once he did get the ball. But yeah, I, I don't know with Morsey. Has, has something kind of clicked with him in the last couple of weeks? I don't know. Um, Charlton was a poor night. He was He was poor. So many of his teammates were poor. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe 
maybe that the fact of losing their manager took took something out of them more than we maybe gave them credit for at at that point. But something seems to have clicked with him. Something, some steel is in there, and I, th- I think in the last few games some shackles have come off as well and he start to mm. show maybe a bit more of the quality that that he can have um i wonder whether the the kind of the cook system had, had pigeonholed him a, a little bit into this this is your role this is what you do um but but he's the shackle seems to have come off and he, he seems to be playing with with a bit more bit more fire and crucially i think showing some some quality that I think we knew he had it but I, th- yeah. I think he'd kind of settled into needing to be a bit more of a kind of midfield destroyer we'd talked about but I think there's some quality in there the little popped pass that he played through to set up Bond to cross for Norwood for the goal against Sunderland was a lovely lovely pass um he was getting to the edge of the box last night and was looking for pop balls through again but but he seemed a bit frustrated that there weren't runs there for him um and if they can get a lead, a leader like that, leading in the way that he's leading in the last few games, that could be that could be such a positive mm. for for them. Um, I think he will feel like he'll feel incredibly disappointed right now that he's he's here not with Paul Cook as his manager because he and all of his players didn't deliver for him. He, I'm sure they're incredibly disappointed by that. But the reaction since that Charlton game from Wigan onwards has been really good. So if, if that's what the skipper's doing, it should drag some others mm. drag some others with him. Mm. I like him playing with a chip on, on his shoulder. More of that, please. Uh, and someone clearly also playing with a chip on their shoulder um, in terms of what's happened to him so far this season. And he's come back, like the proverbial new signing, Roscoe, James Norwood. Another goal last night. Um, what do you like about him and what's he brought to the side since his return? I just like what, what Hutchin you said earlier. He's you know the unorganised way he plays the game. Um, he gets about and he's there at the right place at the right time to score mm. three goals in his last three starts. Um, he knows where the the net is, the goal bag is, um, <laughs> and he's just that player that you want in League One who will just get stuck in, won't muck about, and he's celebration what sort of tops off really just struts and you know mm. yeah just scored there we go in front of a, a massive crowd and that's what we've missed I feel just missed that that, mm. that up front McCauley Bond's done fantastically I think we've just missed that sort of strike like James Norwood who who gets stuck in and he scores the goals um, and it's just good that he's ended the year on a high you know he, he's the man who scored the first goal and the last goal of 2021 James Norwood um, the first game the first goal of course was the goal against Swindon when we lost on live on TV. But thankfully, we end the year with a 1-0 win at home and Norwood's part of that. Mm, kind of caps up the, the craziness of the year, doesn't it? Everything that's happened in between those goals. Um, Hutchie, the Bash brothers, Macaulay Bond and James Norwood. I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a very big fan of that nickname, as you may, uh, as you may imagine. Um, <clears throat> thought, of course, for, for poor old Joe Piggott, now... Looks like he's he's very much firmly on the bench. But talk a little bit about about Bonner Norwood and that, that kind of blossoming relationship they seem to have. How that how did it work last night? Well, I think it, it starts with them being incredibly close off the pitch, which they yeah. which they clearly are. They've both spoken in in recent days about enjoying each other's company, kind of supporting each other. Obviously, we know that that James Norwood has had an odd few months. We also know that Macaulay Bonds had some tough times in his mm. personal life of late. Um, 
and I think they're a good influence on each other by the by the sounds of things. Um, but on the on the pitch, they're two players that have come back, come up through kind of non-league. Uh, Norwood with Tranmere and, and Forest Green before that, and then um, Bon with um, I think he had some loans as well as a, a significant time with with Orient in in non-league, and that's where the Bash Brothers things comes from. I think it's 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 two two guys that aren't afraid of the kind of the rough and tumble. They enjoy winding opponents up um, on the on the pitch. Um, some of those non-league values in the professional game, potentially. And they they do work well off each other. But it, uh, Nor- Norwood and Bond, uh, Bond, Bond to a lesser extent, but Norwood, Norwood obviously works off the cuff. Bond, Bond's, he's, he does a bit of that himself as well. They're, they're there for each other. They're, Norwood's coming inside and, Make trying to make space for for Bond. What I really want to see, and having gone, I've gone back through recently and watched kind of all the goals from the first half of this season. And there's one goal in particular that I'd really like to see these two kind of replicate. And it's in the, on the final day against Fleetwood, if you remember. Norwood kind of comes inside, drops deep, slightly number tenny, gets mm. on the ball and slips this beautiful pass through for for Troy Parrott to um to score against Fleetwood on the final day, and there's every re- there's every re- I think they could combine like that. Nor Norwood didn't have the best game on the ball last night, but he can see those little popped passes, little off the cuff first time knocks through. And if those two are on the same wavelength of each other, which they are, um, you can take defenses by surprise. That's how Burns and Bon have worked so well. Mm. Burn they're on the same wavelength. Quick thinking from Burns to cross balls quickly finds Bon maybe getting a half a yard on a, on a defender. Um, and if Bon and Norwood can kind of have that kind of link up as well, which is every reason to think they can, I think they could be a dangerous pairing on the pitch, whichever kind of system formation they're they're kind of lining up in. Yeah. I mean, the Bash Brothers sums them up, doesn't it? They would be a nightmare to play against, I'd imagine, the two of them, because they're just constantly being in your face, constantly bringing yeah. that physical threat and the, the kind of unpredictability of, of someone like James Norwood as well. Um, fantastic. You know who the original Bash Brothers were, boys? With edutainment. On the Kings of Anglia pod, you are right, Roscoe. Baseball. Do you know the names of the original Bash Brothers? I just googled it. By the way, I didn't actually oh. know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it seemed unlikely. Yeah, um, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco back in the day for the Oakland A's, um, both latterly known in their career for um, being chemically enhanced, shall we say, uh, and breaking all sorts of records in baseball. Big old boys. Yes. And there's also um, for wrestling fans out there. There's actually a duo. Can we stop? In... Can we stop this now, please. <laughs> <laughs> carry on. Uh, yeah, wrestling. No, please, no, please carry on. Ross. Yeah, go on. Carry on. Just basically, there's there's two brothers called the Bash Brothers, basically composed of Doug Basham and Danny Basham and Bash Brothers. There we go. Move on. <laughs> well, we know we know Norwood's a big a big wrestling fan, don't we? So uh, that's what go. I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um. A note too, boys, on last night. You, you mentioned there was only one change, but it was a it was a relatively big change because Christian Walton's been the unquestioned number one. Um, obviously suffering with COVID, and hope he he recovers soon. So Vlachlav Hadki had to come in, um, to a very big game, having having had very much an up and down season and lost his his starting spot. How did he do, uh, Hutchie? Um, he kept a clean sheet. Yeah, we're, sit- we're sitting here talking about. Talking about a clean sheet, which obviously is not to be sniffed at, and he got it done, um, kind of by hook or by crook. I've got to say, I'm not, I'm not hugely convinced 
um, from what I've seen. Um, it's, 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 hard, it's maybe harsh to be sort of saying this after a game against Wickham, which is kind of the extreme of balls of being on top of you. But I, I, there were some moments where I was incredibly nervous last mm. night about about that. Um, pinned to line, pinned behind defenders. The punches were fine in the end. They got them away. But another another day, you've kind of... I'd, I want to see my goalkeeper coming and, and really claiming that, which is something we've seen from Christian Walton, um, that he can do that. I, I want to see my goalkeeper coming and just being a little bit more a little bit more commanding. I can't, you know, he kept a clean sheet. He got the job done and and found a way to to get those balls away, which um, ultimately you can't really sit here and grumble. And I, and I won't, well, I have, but officially I'm not grumbling. But um, yeah. I just want to see a bit more of a, a command of the six-yard box from a goalkeeper, if it's me talking. Fair enough. Which, which it is. It is, uh, and I'm we're pleased to say it is you talking. Um, Roscoe, now it's your time to talk. Um, give us some more notes from last night. Who else impressed you? What else stood out? Maybe as we draw a line under it and start talking about Mr McKenna as, as a boss. I want to just bring back an oldie, but a goldie. But slow, <laughs> um, And that is the highlight, is just the clean sheet. I've, I've looked back at the stats. I hope I got it right, although I'm really bad with stats. That's our first <laughs> clean sheet since the 13th of November. Of course, the goal is draw against Oxford. So, you know, getting a clean sheet in front of that massive crowd, I'm sure that helps the fence out. I'm sure mm. the geezer, flag, 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 clear, whatever his name is. <laughs> I don't know what should use the translator. I'm sure that just, just, mate, just go with the geezer. The geezer. Yeah, the geezer. The geezer. Um, but no, I think that's, that helps to cause a lot, doesn't it, for defence, getting a clean sheet. Um, Matt Penny, I think we should mention him a little bit. I think Matt Penny had a good game. He's had a bit of a tough start to life at town. He's had a few bad games, he's had a few little injuries and knocks, but um, I thought he had a good game playing that left wing-back role. Um, that's yeah. going to suit him, isn't it, that role, in terms of what he brings to the table, Hutchie? Yeah, yeah, it should do. Yeah, I'd agree with Ross there. I think he did have, mm. he did have a good game. Um, he, I would say he, did, he wasn't able to get forward as much as Burns did on the opposite flank, but I think that's as much to do with Wickham um, attacking more down there right and also, the fact he had James Norwood in front of him on the left, which is organised chaos, which sometimes means you have extra defensive help, sometimes mm. means you have none. Um, <laughs> but that's but that's fine. And, and and Penny Penny got through it well. Yeah, I was quite impressed with Penny last night. They, something needs to happen at left back. I, I ho- hopefully, that's Penny stepping up and and taking that position. But um, the fact Hayden Coulson's been out for so long has, has been a blow. But it's it's nice to see Penny kind of getting back in the groove after some difficult times, as as Ross said. Mm. Okay, then, boys. What do we make then of of Kieran McKenna thus far? We've we've obviously only seen his team play once, but he's he's been in situ for a couple of weeks now. I was really taken with something, Ross, um, a phrase that the the guy from the Man United podcast used when you spoke to him about McKenna. He said he's got a reputation as being schoolmasterly, like a like a teacher, a, a stern old teacher. And I, I must say, in his demeanour, that, that very much comes across. And it's maybe me being unfair to, to him. I haven't had the interaction with him that you've had, Hutchie. Um, but he does seem very serious. Um, and and I just wish he'd smile a bit um, and show that he's enjoying things, maybe. I mean, we did we did at least get a bit of a, a fist pump last night, which I liked, because that was, gave us an excellent back picture for the, their back page picture for the paper. Um, and and it, 
going back to that schoolmaster thing, I wonder if maybe insisting they all travel on the coach together to a game is all part of that demeanour. What what do you make of him so far, Hutchie? I really like him. He's he's my kind of my kind of guy. Um I like I like the explanations he gives for things. Why are you laughing? Because he is, he is your type of guy. He's exactly yeah. he's, you know, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Yeah, get, he is. He's like he's my yeah, I I like him. Um I like the way he explains things. I like the level of openness he's 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 willing to give. I like the way that he's so clear in what in what he thinks um mm. but yet adaptable with it um yeah i like him i can't say i know the guy um we've we've not had that many opportunities to kind of get to know him but but from every like just for after the after he finished doing his post match press last night he he kind of hung about for only probably only for like 30 seconds, 40 seconds or something. But he, he hung about and just explained something tactically, just kind of off just once the interview had finished, just to just to impart that knowledge. To Whereas who? to to us. Ah. Just just um it's just interesting. Um, whereas uh, there was a sense where at, at times kind of Paul Cook couldn't get away quick enough. And look, I understand that as well. They have to do like three, four interviews after after games and, and their main job is to get a football team winning, not to, not to talk to, not to talk to us, but it, it, I just, I just, I just really like him. Um, I hope he's incredibly successful and um, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how he develops as a manager. Cause I think we have to remember that this was obviously he's, he's kind of been part of leadership groups for, for so many football matches over a long period as coaching. He's led, he has led teams before, but never a, never a senior team but there's so much to this job that he's he's kind of experiencing for the first time like doing the post-match post-match press like that organizing mm-hmm. actually being the one that fully organizes how teams get to the game I saw him he kind of I ended up kind of following him up the stairs into one of the executive areas last night to kind of have the debrief with Mark Ashton in the corridor at, at Portman Road that's all new to him and it's I, I'm just fascinated just to watch be able to watch someone um, kind of grow into all of that, and, and that's that's going to be the thing that interests me the most over the next the next few months or so. Just just learning to be the, the man, having having been like a man, he's now the man. He's a young man. What did, what did he explain to you post game, actually, tactics wise? That sounds interesting. Can we divulge? Or is it a top secret? I don't, I don't think it's top secret. It's just it's just expanding on something he had in the. Um, it, it wasn't. It, it was just talking more about the the three centre backs and why on this occasion they were able to step forward a bit more than they might potentially be able to do against other teams. Mm. Um, I had my head down in my laptop, still handing out arbitrary player ratings to football <laughs> football but football players at the time. So he he wasn't speaking to myself directly. Yeah. Um, but it was just interesting. Um, he nice, loves yeah. he loves football. Yeah. Um and he takes his football very, very seriously. Um and that's that's probably why he was the assistant manager of Manchester United at thirty-five without any playing career behind him. That's probably how that how that managed to happen. Am I being a little unfair to him then to describe him as a bit dull? Uh do you think I'm dull? Uh 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not dull, but your your demeanour is is very um, understated. I would say. Yeah, I think uh, that's the. I think that's probably the word. I, yeah, I, yeah, understated. I don't think he's dull at all. Um, yeah, but he might not be the kind of person you want to go out for beers with. But I, I wouldn't say he's dull. He's. Um, I think understated is is the word. Um, I can be dull. You're allowed to say it. Everyone um, can be dull, my friend. But famously, of course, Sir Alf Ramsey, as interesting as the dry stone wall, I'm led to believe. Um, mm. And he was absolutely obsessed with football as well, wasn't he? I remember speaking to Tony Garnett, one of um, my forerunners in this role of sports editor, who said that Alf basically couldn't talk about anything other than football, any other <laughs> kind of conversation he wasn't interested in. Um, so I mean, yeah. I, I think I had that sense about Paul Cook, if I'm completely honest. Mm. Um, but obviously at a different end of the the dull scale he's uh you, you would never call him dull i'd just like to go back and just you know put on record for the, for the house i didn't call you dull Hutchie. <laughs> oh no just, it's just, it's just no, i don't know I just think it was an interesting route into that conversation and no, we, we've, just... co- we've we've come out having learned a little bit more haven't we yeah uh, <laughs> i mean you can also say he's got very good teeth um kieran mckenna which is important he, he still needs a nickname i think k money it's far too dynamic for him. Um, I see there's been KMC squared out there. Um, <laughs> you know, got to do something with, I mean, we've already got a Macca, haven't we? Macca, Macaulay Bonds, Macca. Can we do something with Mac? Is he Mac the Knife? Is he Mystic Mac? Like Conor, Mac- I don't know. But <laughs> still, still work to be done there. But um, Rossi, what, what do you make of him? I know Hutchie loves him. Um, and you're a big fan like of him, him. As well, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's grown on me. You know, as I said, the first interview I saw of him, I thought, oh God, yeah. he's very dull. Um, but he's grown on me. I think he's um, saying the right things. He's not a cliche book. He's not chucking the cliches out there, which I like to see. Um, and I, when I was watching the interview last night, he's not chucked the nicknames. I know you love nicknames. So I don't think he's going to be using nicknames. I don't know if he's maybe still early in his job. He won't. He wasn't calling Macaulay Bon Mackey. He wasn't calling Norwood, Nors. He was saying James and Macaulay. Um, Again. That's like a schoolmaster, isn't it? That that really fits. But maybe he's not ready yet. He's not ready. He doesn't feel that he's ready to do the nicknames, chucking the nicknames out. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, if, no. if you had a good teacher at school, it's one of the most important things in life, isn't it? Someone you respected and, and, and you look from. So that could absolutely be 100% a good thing. Um yeah, there you go. Where am I going? Where am I going now, boys? Um, I've lost track. <laughs> Kieran McKenna. From Kieran McKenna to um something we learned this morning, boys. He started well, and we were hoping he was going to get a chance to build on that at the weekend. Um, but unfortunately, he's not. He's going to have a little enforced break. He had an enforced break before his first game, and now he's going to have an enforced break after his first win. Lincoln City, that game on Saturday at Portman Road, the last of the, the pack-out Portman Road festive fixtures, is unfortunately not going to happen, Hutchie. Lincoln have got COVID in the camp. They say they can't raise a team. How are you feeling about this? That's really disappointing, isn't it? I was I was really looking forward to it. We've we've missed out on Boxing Day football for two years in a row now. Um, New Year's Day is also another really good good football day. Um, new horizons, start of something new. All of that. Um, it's going to be missing. Very very disappointing. Very frustrating as well because we don't know the full detail of what's going on at at Lincoln. We obviously know the situation in 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 the country at the moment and how how everything's kind of taking off again but it does sound like Lincoln were really hoping to play or mm. showing intention to play before having more cases um, overnight um, which just made it impossible 
for them. It, it, it's incredibly frustrating. It's very interesting to see how the EFL are, are ultimately going to deal with this if they are going to deal with this at all. Because every every time there's one of these call offs, they you you talk about the EFL are going to inspect all aspects of why this game was called off. But that's been happening for. We, we don't hear the outcome of these investigations and inquiries into exactly exactly why um it's um yeah it's getting if this goes on with games being called off that schedule's going to get horribly horribly packed in again um mm. so yeah very very frustrating um it doesn't doesn't feel great from my from my point of view i i, I think I think there's there's certainly more that can be done to make the make sure these these games are played. Um, it's it's incredibly frustrating. I know AFC Wimbledon have voiced their kind of frustration at at this in the last few days. They've lost most of their Christmas schedule, despite themselves being good to go for for all of their games. They've seen opponents drop out, so um, there's a lot of rising rising frustration here. Mm. They just need to play the games, don't they? I mean, make do amend, as it were. Um, even if you have to call in youth players, that's. I mean, mm. if, if, if as a club had a, a massive injury crisis, they wouldn't get to call a game off, would they? Yeah, this is the thing. Like, it, it's obviously, obviously, we know the situation with COVID. It, 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 it's, it's kind of extraordinary. Mm. But you're also talking about teams saying they combined with COVID cases and injuries wouldn't have been able to raise a side. I, I don't see why the injured side of things is is kind of okay for mm. to be thrown in the mix there. Um Ipswich are in a situation where they have an abundance of players. Clearly, clearly we know that there's been some cases in the Ipswich squad with Christian Walter missing out, Cameron Burgess, then and Ciala, uh, Edwards and Harper all kind of back those those three back from COVID now. Mm. Um but Ipswich have repeatedly been praised for the way they've managed it. Um, the EFL have, have said, sort of, have lifted them up as an example of how to how to manage the spread of COVID and Ipswich have, of this time around, they obviously they had it last Christmas, but this time around have managed to kind of limit all of those those spreads and been able to put teams on the field, albeit with a big squad. But it, the rules are there. It's it's fourteen players as long as there's a, a goalkeeper available, mm. and it's it does make you wonder. What what is the point of kind of under twenty threes football and youth hmm. football if they if, if they're not there to be called? I do wonder actually whether I think there's kind of a a, a shutdown over Christmas and New Year period of twenty threes football like that. Ipswich is under twenty threes don't have a game schedule match schedule over over Christmas and New Year for several weeks. Whether that has played a part at the moment hmm. if those players just aren't training aren't available um, to teams because of that shutdown. Um, I'm not sure. But it's um, it's incredibly it's incredibly frustrating, and, and if it goes on for many more weeks, it really is going to shunt that fixture schedule together in the final weeks of the season. And then you are going to get a, a splurge of injuries, aren't you? Because there's going to be so many games. Players, yeah. You look, you like you want to say something, Rossi? You want like you're itching to get involved? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't want to interrupt. Um, you know, I try my best to be um, professional. I like it. Professional. Yes. Um, I'm bringing back old friend Paul Lambert here. This is a bit different. It's not COVID, but it's when he was postponing games because we had international call-ups. Mm. It was like Idris Elmazuni, Alan Judge, whatever. And I, I know that at that point, I know we were frustrated and I think fans were frustrated. I know it's a different situation, mm. but those are just pointless postponements when you could just play some of these youth players, just play them. If mm. they're good enough, they're good enough. 
So mm. that's just my my take on that. Mm. Absolutely. Um, having said all that, Hutchie, is it could it actually end up being a, a good thing for town because now McKenna's going to have a, even more time on the training ground with him. He's, he's clearly made an impact already in, in the very brief time he's had with them so far. And he does seem, from everything that you've said, to have a very um, fulsome approach to explaining roles and what he wants um, and something that I'm sure players can really buy into and really kind of understand what he wants from them. So could this actually be a good thing by the time we see Town play again at Gillingham on, on January the 8th? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the next one, isn't it? Boxing Day mm. rearranged. Um, for me, I'd say the same as I, I said for the last time, I, I want, I'd want them to play. I think... Mm. I think as much as you, I think they will. I think you will see a benefit from to the Gillingham game. I think you're right. I think um, another five training sessions or whatever they're able to get in in that in that period will will be a significant sort of move for them to be able to move some things on mm. and prepare. But but for me, I, and I think McKenna would probably say the same. Um, play. I'd, I'd I'd want to see them play. I'd want if if they're going to do anything with this season, then. For all we've talked about about last night being so positive, and it was all it did mm. was maintain the ten point gap to mm. the playoffs, which everyone above them, basically everybody above them, has a game in hand. I think um, so. It's a mammoth task, huge task to, to overcome all of that to reach the playoffs. But if they're going to have a chance of doing it, they need momentum and to get wins. And Lincoln, COVID or not, COVID hit Lincoln or not, would have been a good opportunity to get back-to-back victories. And if, if your new manager's getting back-to-back victories in their first two games, that's huge. Um, mm. that, is, that is a new manager bounce. We don't normally see it, but that would be. And, uh, and I think it was a big opportunity for them to get another three points. So I'm really disappointed for, not just because of the occasion and how good it is to start with a game on New Year's Day, just it was an opportunity to win again. Um, and uh, I think that that, that's a real disappointment because it's now going to be a Tuesday night sandwiched in somewhere else. And you never know uh, what kind of form, mood anyone's going to be in by by that point. I think I think they'd have won this game if it had been played. And I think they'd have gone to Gillingham looking to make it three wins in a row. Mm. Um, but as it is, they'll just have to start that process slightly differently. Doesn't mean they can't win three games in a row, though. Of course not. OK, well, time will tell on that one. And um, before we move on to something different, just to remind us to please support our sponsors. Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Looking to sort out your nether region, get into the new year, those new year parties that we can't have, can have. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. But whatever you're doing, get yourself some KOA, some, some Manscaped goods using the code KOA at manscaped.com. Right then, boys. It's the last show of 2021. The next time we speak, it will be 2022. You get to have that annoying conversation every year, don't you? Where you you say to someone, oh, I'll speak to you next year. <laughs> um, that kind of stuff. Um, so let's reflect, boys, shall we? Like, didn't you, Ross? Um, let's reflect briefly, shall we, on 2021? Because it's been, by all accounts, a crazy, mental, insane, completely unexpected, unrivaled 2021 for Ipswich Town. Um, Ross, I'm going to come to you first because you, you're putting together an A to Z video um, on the year. So how will you reflect? When you're old and grey like me, um, in another five years' time, um, how would you reflect on on 2021? Uh, it's hard to just put in one word, really, because it has been, as you said, crazy, mental, insane, um, unexpected. Uh, pretty much just copying what you just said. Um, <laughs> but no, new era, 4.0, two pools sacked, USA, 
Marcus Evans leaving, Portland Road looking back, you know, back to its old glory. Um, and that's one takeaway as well is Portland Road just looking great again, you know, outside. Um, what were those things? Sorry to interrupt, by the way. I noticed on game day last night, behind all the guys as they were talking, there's they're like a little roundup of, of big, was it big games that there are? I haven't yeah. been to Portland Road for a little while. So what, what, what are all those things they put up outside Portland Road? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're new things that they were put up. I think was it about a month ago now. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, just classic games, and there's some classic quotes from Bobby Robson and other different managers. But yeah, it looks it looks superb. Yeah. It looks fantastic. And once again, for fans, just to have pictures next to it, you know, next to Bobby Robson, and even Macaulay Bonds, um, he's behind you is there as well. So a, a modern day thing as well. So, but no, it's 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 looking good. They're That's all North, like North Stand moments, they are. Mm. Yeah. So Macaulay Bond is remarkable for a lone player to come in and get a picture on the stadium within four months of him joining. is, is pretty ridiculous. Didn't even score really. the goal. Yeah, didn't even <laughs> score. <laughs> Hutchie, how will you remember 2021 when we sit down in years to come and you have a little Diet Coke and I have a pint of whiskey? Um, what a pint? Yeah, come on. I'm tough. <laughs> I'm tough. Um, how... Yeah, tough or alcohol. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, Hutchie, how would you remember 2021? It's kind of kind of the year where everything changed, yet everything stayed the same. Oh, profound. At, at Ipswich Town. I'm going deep. But it did, didn't it? Everything has changed. But yet here we are, hopefully heading off, send, send off with a small positive, like a nice positive at the end of 2021. But mm. everything has changed, yet. We can still feel cynical about Ipswich Town if we want. This is what Ipswich do. They're still 11th in League One. It's not, there's been false dawns along the way. But hopefully, hopefully we really look back. What we really do looking back at 2021 is looking back at it as the year where where something started. Mm. Um, it's been a false start. I think we can all agree that, that um, you know, the, the new owners came in and were instantly in the middle of a run, a record run of kind of 10 hours without a goal. We should have we should have known then that it wasn't going to be easy. The very massive excitement turnaround of players yielded a, a what is looking now to be an, a terrible start that they've, they're battling to recover from. Mm. Um, but even despite all of that, they've ended the year with more than 50,000 fans at two, the final two games of the stadium, at the stadium. Um, massive positivity, despite being 11th in League One. And, and uh, I truly hope that when you're absolutely smashed on your pint of whiskey, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be talking about how 2021 was when it all started. And then we could have a laugh about how rubbish the start was and, and, and how, yeah, oh yeah, Paul Cook, he was the first manager of, of Ipswich Town under the new ownership, yeah, I can't remember, didn't remember that. And then, and then hopefully we're just looking back at some some great stuff that's followed because there there is the foundation there. There's a lot of positivity there. There's things are changing, like Ross has said, even silly things like posters and stickers mm. on stadiums. Um, I think they probably did that, Ross, just to give you a nice background for your videos, which is very kind of them. But it looks it looks great, and um, hopefully just a foundation year that. That's the springboard for for the positive times that everyone connected to Ipswich deserves after after so long. Mm. Don't drink a pint of whiskey, by the way, kids. That's very, <laughs> very, very unhealthy. Uh, and certainly, if I'd had a pint of whiskey, I probably wouldn't be talking about Town's year in twenty twenty one. Certainly not in any kind of coherent sentence. Anyway, um, I, I 
sitting here now, boys, I sit, if we were sitting here this time last year, Paul Lambert was still in charge of Ipswich Town. They weren't even playing games. We're in the middle of a, a global pandemic. We didn't really know when they were going to play again. Um, it's just, it's mad, isn't it? I think, I think probably the, the thing I remember most about 2021 is Demolition Man. I think that was kind of an iconic thing, wasn't it? Um, that phrase, uh, and then the manager doing exactly as he said he was going to do and being Demolition Man, completely sweeping aside everything. And then, ending up on the old uh, rubble pile himself. Um, incredible. And also the fact that in any other year, a referee sticking the nut in on a, on a town player would have been one of these stories of yeah. the year. And we just forget about it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah that, that happened as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've done some, like, I'm halfway through mm. writing some, like, end-of-year awards, and there's, like, mm. a forgotten moment award that I've put in there, and that's, that's that moment, Judge. And yeah. like you say, that that would be the moment of the year in most, especially two seasons where they finished like finished a season mid table in league one and then still finished the, the end of the calendar year at mid table in league one. The mm. time the referee tried to headbutt the player <laughs> would be, would, would be, would be the big one, wouldn't it? But it's probably not even in the top 10. Yeah. It's, it's been... honestly crazy. Um, you know, and I, I feel genuinely that as we sit here now, compared to where, if we sat here this time last year, having the same conversation, Ipswich Town now are in a better place, aren't they? There's so much more yeah. good feeling about the direction of the club, the whole setup, you know, um, the owners of the club, owned with passion, you know, run with passion, managed with, with passion, even if he's a bit of a school teacher. Um, it, as we head into 2022, there, there's a lot to be positive about, isn't there? Um, and obviously, the other thing I remember, Hutchie, which one should always remember, is that a win is better than a loss. We uh, we encountered that well, phrase for the first time. Um, well, is that when's we that going? When's that going up on the Portland Road uh, signage? By the way, is that... <laughs> <laughs> well, McKenna's got his first win, hasn't he? So yeah, I think that's that's probably what he said to the players before they went out. Both yeah. for the game and after it as well. <laughs> Superb. He, he must subscribe to that. Right then, boys. A- any other thoughts on, on 2021 before we uh, take our leave and um, I do my usual shambolic outro? Too many to mention. I think we've I think we've covered its vibe, haven't we? We've covered... Everyone we've knows this. what we've, happened. We've got this, haven't we? Yeah. We've got that. <laughs> we've got that. Okay then, friends. Well, uh, there you go. This is the last podcast of 2021, at least from the, the KOA flagship pod. Um, I don't know if you've got a fan social one scheduled in, Rossi. Um, the answer is possibly, but no. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> the, an- the answer is possibly. Superb. Um, all right, then, friends. Well, uh, please support our sponsors, like I say, KOA, um, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20 off and free delivery. Also, please uh, follow us across all our social medias, uh, the Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We've had a few of those recently. That's really good because it helps us in terms of visibility in the charts. More people get to see us. Boys, uh, in terms of any other business before we sign off, I'm interested to know if, if any of you or any of the listeners encounter this every year. This time of year is a very dangerous time for, for young, sorry, I'm middle-aged Mr Heath now. Um, my wife is is very uh, fastidious when it comes to the appearance of the house. And so we, we get to this point of the year and she's itching already to get the Christmas tree down and all the lights down. She's It's a messy, she says. And then she always has goes a bit further and starts eyeing up stuff that I own because that's clutter. Um, she goes into the, she goes into the TV room and starts kind of pointing at things that I cherish and go, eh, do you really need that though? It's a bit messy in here, isn't it? Shall we, why don't you throw that away? Um, 
and it makes me anxious every year because these are things that are important to me. Uh, and I only get one room in the house where I really have any say. So that TV room is sacrosanct to me. Do you have similar issues with your with your better half boys? Mate, over my shoulder, as you know, is a rack of football shirts. Yeah, let me um, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, working from home, the, the kind of the new shift to, the, to work from home as we do now um, has meant that this bare bedroom has become my my domain. Yeah. Had had COVID not happened, there was no way those two football shirts behind you would be on the wall. Neither would that rugby yeah. shirt there. There'd be no rack of football shirts there. Uh, there's a TV in here now. That was never Ooh. in it. Um, there's also some old boxes of stuff that need to need to be got rid of. But um, this is my little safe haven for that. Yeah, um, I can do what I want in here. And it's great to have that level of authority in my own house that I I can. What's under threat in your? What what kind of things oh, are under mate. threat? So basically, in our house, I'm lucky enough that I've got like a. Well, I say we. Oh, it's, it, we've got a TV room, which is where I have all my sports memorabilia, um, my whiskey, my cigars, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I sound terribly old when I say that, don't I? Um, Pipe in there, slippers. Yeah. <laughs> so it, there is a bit of clutter in there, but it, it's meant to be kind of memories from my career, and, and you know sporting memories and that kind of stuff and it's it's the one place in the house that is is mine kind of more than anything else um but every year she'll kind of start picking up well what's this do you really need this little model of doc brown from back to the future yes i do i really do need that do you really need this old boxing glove you know it's it's old that's the idea it's it's an old boxing glove it's there we go look joe that would be straight in let me tell you mate straight in the bin the joe johnson bobblehead that's never getting that's never passing muster in my household. Um, so I'm just interested to know if, if other people face this kind of anxiety at this time of year. Is their their better halves, husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, wives, whatever, um, decide they want to do a, an early year spring clean of the house with all my stuff or your stuff? Let us know. Anyway, friends, that's an aside. Um, do let us know about that. The final show of 2021 is in the books. And next time we speak to you, it'll be 2022. We'll speak to you, friends, next year. Have a great New Year's Eve, and we'll speak to you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to football, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
ask an option, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archive.